You're listening to 2, 5, and 10, your source for bullshit-free NHL news, analysis, and insights. Now, here are your hosts, Kevin Naughton and Ben Stewart. Great beat. Whether I'm down on my last or on multi God looked me in both eyes And he told me to win Love Jumping off the porch, I hit a thousand jugs Taught to turn one to three when the powder's good Drug lingo, CMB, that's where I learned it at Hundred thousand in twenties, that's where I earned it at Booted doing life, they gave my bro a natty I sent him pictures of bitches I'm hitting out in Cali He live vicariously through me till the pills granted Twenty pack blind Galato got me off this planet Trying to stay afloat, don't let the yacht sink Frozen water, got my wrist cold as hockey rink Brody known to keep a stick like a hockey player Martian, what up everybody and welcome to episode 88 of 2, 5, and 10 We have the Cambridge boy there, Millie's with the intro today Benny, what up? Kevin, my love I wish I was able to see you over Thanksgiving We had plans for that Unfortunately, COVID's coming back a little bit too strong and had to cancel his plans and delayed this episode of the podcast, getting into a couple of things like the reverse retro jerseys, but happy to be here. How was your Thanksgiving? Uh, it was it was long without you. I, I was, <laughs> you know, just looking out the window like a sick puppy as to like what when will he be here? But uh yes, hopefully COVID can be gone, allegedly vaccines on the way, but we are not that political podcast. But yes, hopefully sooner rather than later. How was your Thanksgiving? Can't complain, nice and low-key, kind of like yours, I guess. Just chilling with the First Lady and her family for Thanksgiving Day. Went on a hike on Black Friday out in the wilderness. So enjoyed the weather here in New York. I think it was warm. This is getting local, but like it was warm for you guys up there in New England, too, Thanksgiving Day and the day after Thanksgiving. So enjoyed that. And other than that, just spent the rest of the weekend eating the leftovers, watching football, you know, pretty much the standard weekend outside of just having a bigger dinner on thanksgiving day <laughs> when uh, when you say in the wilderness does that mean central park or what's that mean that just means finding grass anywhere in the city <laughs> all right i like that i mean it, it makes it a it, uh, difficult activity sometimes so I, I like that yeah we're in queens so we at least went to uh closer towards the border of queens and long island there's like a couple parks out there that have like elevation gain elevation gains and water views and everything. So it's a little bit more suburban than going to Central Park, but pretty much we're not seeing any uh, like Yellowstone-level shit out here. <laughs> so, so a little romance on the uh, besides yeah. the turkey. I, I like that. Uh, I see you guys were checking out all the Christmas lights as well. We have been on a Christmas light bender. Uh, Mr. Stratford is a little bit upset. He has not made it. I, I went by his house the other day, actually. He was taking a picture to uh, send and bust his balls a little bit to be like, this guy's a Scrooge, but he had all of his lights set up. So I was like, ah, oh, crap, I couldn't even get after him. So I was like, all right, Stratty, that's fine. I'll get yeah, you next now, time. You don't even text him a compliment. You're like, I'm going over there just so I can talk shit. And then when you can't talk shit, you're like, well, I'm not going to say anything. Well, yeah, exactly. That's, that's the way it works. I was like, damn it, all right. He beat me on that one. What's your... We'll get into into hockey in a minute here, but your thoughts on the Christmas lights. Our family tradition when I was growing up was Thanksgiving night when it got dark was the first night that you can put the Christmas lights on. 
I see a lot of people, I guess maybe because it's everybody's been in quarantine, so they're just looking for something to do, some happiness. But like two weeks ago, there were Christmas lights around the neighborhoods over here. I'm like, guys, like it's not even like post-election that early into November, and I'm seeing Christmas lights and decorations up. But Yeah, we uh... – well, growing up, we didn't really have many traditions. I ain't even going to lie about that. <laughs> but uh, as I've gotten older, we have the Wait, family. screaming in Portuguese isn't a tradition? No, that's, that's everyday life, pal. That's not a tradition. <laughs> um, we would, now we try to do Black Friday. We put the tree up with all the ornaments mm-hmm. and everything with the kids just because we all seem to be home on that day and it works. Um, as for the lights, I, I had to get outside going a little bit. So I had like the white lights dangling down from the gutters, I guess like the icicle look. Yeah, the icicle. Even then we put uh, some colorful lights on the bushes out front. I think next year I'm going to have to go all color, though. I I, I like the white, but if you really want the pop, I think you got to go all colored lights. When we're done recording, I want to take a walk. Like it's two blocks over. There's these new Christmas light decorations that look like, uh, oh, my God. Like almost like it's a disco ball effect, but it's like really, really tiny green and red dots, and it just like slowly rotates only over your house. So it looks like there is a Christmas tree net over the house, slowly moving. And it it's cool. I should send that to you tonight, so you can incorporate that incorporate that into next year's planning. I mean, now random question on the other side of things. <laughs> so technically, if we drive to New York just yeah. to go see this. But we don't get out of the car. We don't have to quarantine, right? You don't have to quarantine. You can just look at those lights. You can drive four hours, spend about five minutes looking at those lights. I can bang on your driver's side window and wave to you and kiss the window, and they can drive four hours back if you wanted to. Uh, you know what? I, I think Mr. Baker, I, I might like that one, you know, bust Charlie's balls a little bit. Well, technically <laughs> I went to New York, but I didn't actually go to New York, if you know what I mean, Charlie. So. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, the the varying levels of the Cuomo stuff here is funny. We, I think I mentioned this one time before. Restaurants are serving Cuomo chips and Cuomo fries because you can't serve booze without <laughs> food. So now they just like they charge you a nickel for like a basket of French fries and like, well, now we can serve you alcohol because you bought food. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah, American capitalism, baby. <laughs> um. All right, we'll stop boring everybody. We'll get into some of the hockey stuff now. Uh, again, it's holiday time. Most, not much is going to happen between now and Christmas for the most part uh, in terms of transactions. Free agencies kind of come to a standstill. We might see some trades. Uh, we were talking about this before we recorded once the NHL and NHLPA agreed to a kind of a structure for the upcoming season. But until then... We figured we'd talk about one of your boys, well, former boys, Johnny Boychuk, his retirement, the unfortunate retirement of Johnny Boychuk, and kind of go over your thoughts about uh, you know, him pretty much cutting out early because of the injury and your thoughts on his time uh, with the Bruins. I, I absolutely love Johnny Boychuk. The I know some people hate Jack Edwards, but I always love when Johnny would wind up and and a Johnny Rocket. Like yeah. Boychuk had an absolute blast. Um, he just kind of fit the Boston mold. He came there every day to work, brought his lunch pail, 
came. He played a heavy, heavy game. Uh, not very offensive in the sense of scoring goals and putting up points, but contributed, shut it down on the D end, brought a cup home to Boston. I mean, there's not much more to say about this guy. When he actually ended up going to the Islanders, I know everybody in Boston was pissed. Chiarelli handcuffed himself with the Chris Kelly deal. Yep. We needed to be cap compliant, and Johnny was the odd guy out. And I mean, for yeah, like what? For him. Yeah, like nothing. I, I think it was like a fourth round pick. It was something ridiculous, and it was just kind of like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" Like the Islanders just stole this guy from us. Yeah. And I mean, good for them. I mean, hey, you know we're strapped to it. <laughs> you have to unload them, not us. So, uh, as for Johnny, uh, did I feel bad he ended up on the island, especially with all of kind of the turmoil there as to Arena, Brooklyn? I think when he first went there, they were on Long Island, and then they ended up in Brooklyn. So it was a big, big fucking to do. But as for Johnny, I mean, great career, great guy on and off the ice. Hats off, pal. Appreciate your time here. Yeah, and I think, like you said, he wasn't a big point producer. I think he's under 250 points in his career uh, between the Avs, who he just had a cup of coffee with them, but the Bruins and the Islanders. I just remember him as like a warrior. Like He was part of the crew that turned uh, the organization around in Boston, that uh, wicked slash shot on the right point and then also just the physical aspect of his game all those battles through the years against the Canadians and uh, Commissaric and all those guys and he was one of those he was never a heavyweight but he can handle his business especially that uh, he was no that was McQuaid but I was thinking about like all those games against the Dallas Stars of all teams where it got extremely physical but I think the biggest compliment that boy Chuck can take into retirement is when Lou Lamorello was hired in in New York with the Islanders and he wanted to change the culture around, one of the first things he did was bring in Johnny Boychuk. So I think that speaks volumes to how he was respected around the league, especially by a guy like a future Hall of Famer, multiple Hall of Famer, Lou Lamorello. Yeah, agreed. I mean, anytime you make Sweet Lou's list, you've got to be doing pretty good. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, unfortunate that it ends because of the eye injury. Um, it doesn't seem like it's going to severely impact his day-to-day life off the ice which is good and you know if everything else going on here's probably like gave him a even stronger appreciation for life outside of hockey agreed and i mean like you said unfortunate way to end his career and i would say it's cut a little short too to be honest but uh hats off johnny going into retirement we appreciate you buddy and so we'll move on a little bit you know we're talking about Boychuk's retirement, that opens up, you know, some cap space for the Islanders, much-needed cap space uh, with some of the things going on in them. I just wanted to get your thoughts on, you know, some of the teams or uh, moves that you thought have going to make an impact for not just this coming season, but maybe future years beyond that, and also some teams that, you know, I know we kind of touched on this here and there uh, at the outset of free agency, but just teams that... What are they doing? Uh, as for teams that we thought did good, I'll start. I actually thought Detroit had a really good offseason, just yeah. bringing in some leadership that was much needed. It seemed like last year, I mean, obviously, they were a very young team, and they just didn't really produce as to 
what was expected for them and for a Steve Eiserman team. But going to another spot, it was like, are they, are they not good enough? I think they've definitely solidified their back end a little bit. I know we were just talking about the Islanders. That's a team that is in a hell of a lot of trouble. They are still stuck to the cap. They still have Barzell, RFA. I know they had signed Pulak, which they needed. I mean, that that kid is a stud. He's a great player. But that's another one of those things where it's like they are going to be tight, very tight trying to get them in. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't be surprised if there's still another move for them to be made. I mean, currently almost $4 million in cap space. $4 million isn't getting you Matthew Barzell. So that is going to be something that has to be figured out big time. One team, I mean, it came from their captain and Jonathan Taves. I mean, Chicago Blackhawks, listen, if you are going to rebuild your team, rebuild your team. Like, you've won three Stanley Cups. No one's going to question it. But when you don't even let your captain know as to what's happening, I think that's bad, and I think it's bad, too, that Jonathan Taves went to the media about it. Like, listen, if Stan Bowman gives him a voice, that's fine. But I also feel like this, like, it's also Stan Bowman's job to get himself in this mess and get himself out of the mess. So you know what, John? Like, if you're not happy, I'm sorry, but we have to rebuild the team. That's it. Like, that's the conversation hook, line, and sinker. Like, you can be mad about it. You can be happy about it. But we're rebuilding, you now know. So that is one of those iffy scenarios. I know another team that was kind of on the downswing last year, but I like the moves that they made. I I like New Jersey. I I think that Tom Fitzgerald came in and he made some key additions there. So hopefully they can kind of be on the upswing. And then one last one I have is I like the addition that the Maple Leafs have made, except... I don't actually know if it's going to enhance them or make them any better. Is that like weird to say? Like, I yeah. like the addition of Wayne Simmons, but they also lost Kyle Clifford. So it's like they, they didn't like add. It was like addition by subtraction. Like it's not like they have two tough guys to go against. They only have one. So it's just I I like bringing Joe Thornton there, but they already have. Yeah, like, I think VC's going to do good there. I, I do think VC needed a, a new place, and he, and he gets inserted into a really good lineup and can play with a lot of really good guys. But it's like, they now have Spezza and Joe Thornton. Like, I think you only need one of the older guys. So it's yeah. just, I, I like the players that they have. I, I don't think, the, I think the chemistry is going to be iffy, but I, I like that Dubas is actually going after something with the limited resources that he has monetarily. Yeah, and I think I also think VC is going to be sneaky good as a top nine guy. I don't think he's going to score thirty goals or anything, but I think he's going to have a better year than a lot of people are expecting. Going back to the Chicago thing, I had them down here as well. It's like you've been in a situation where you likely should have started rebuilding two years ago, mm-hmm. and you like I get it. You have Patrick Kane, you have Jonathan Tage, you have Duncan Keith, Corey Crawford. You can squint your eyes and go, you know, if this young guy steps his game up and then this veteran that I brought brought in on a cheap can rebound, we might be able to make a run. 
But but, but with it know, though, like what you just said, it's like it almost just seems like a hope more than anything. Yeah, you know, <laughs> a lotto ticket and hoping it's a, a constructive way of building a team. Mm-hmm. And you probably should have done it two years ago. This is where an organization, and I know this is going to sound like a homer, but the Rangers with the letter just coming out and saying, "Listen, we're going to be rebuilding." It's going to be a few years or more suffering. We're going to be moving on from some players that a lot of you are really connected with, but it's part of the process. Please give us time. And now look where the Rangers are. And now look, we signed Panarin and we landed with a fucking horseshoe <laughs> up our ass in the lottery. And, you know, we, yeah, we re, we're rebuilding. It's tough. It's tough. Listen, we're rebuilding. It took all of a year and a half. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But, no, I mean, like, two years ago, Chicago probably could have started a, a full rebuild. They likely would have been... Like, if you went to Jonathan Taves uh, and said, we're going to rebuild fully, we're going to start moving guys around, he's not old enough where he's like, well, if by the time this is done, I'm going to be retired. He still has a chance of being a contributor when this thing, if that thing turned around. But now he wasted two more years of his career, two more years of Kane, and now you're going to start the rebuild. And also the rebuild is just like half-ass rebuild. Like they still have, like they can't get rid of Seabrook. Like they're going to have to buy him out and eat that money. Like mm-hmm. no one's going to take him on. You let, you're basically going with nobody in goal. Like I don't, like I, I guess they're just trying to tank here. But it's just the inability to commit to a plan because you're scared of committing to the plan that might not sit well shows their extreme lack of leadership. And that's my issue with Chicago. Uh, I don't know if you had any other teams or if you want me to just continue on my rant here. Well, I got one for you, and I know we always see on two different stages with this specific team. What do you think about the Sharks? Because they didn't really do anything. And they're still in that cat misery of the players that they have. They're very top-heavy and they're kind of hoping for something to come up from behind them because they have, let's see right here, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine forwards, and let's see, two defensemen currently on NHL deals that are under a million dollars. Yeah. And, I mean, granted, I know, you know, entry-level slide deals and things like that, but it's like they're so top-heavy with Couture, Kane, Timo Meyer, Tomas Hurdle. They got LeBanc last year for that steal for that $1 million thing. But, yeah, but now he's just under five. And then you have Eric Carlson, Brent Burns, Vlasic. Like, this team has to be better. I know they signed Dubnik, but it, it has to be better, right? I, I just. So, I, I personally don't like this team, but. I, you think it has to be better? You would think so, but I'm I'm more aligned with you than you think. First of all, the fact that they're paying Kevin LeBanc a million dollars less than Patrice Bergeron just shows you how much of a fucking sweet deal that was, even though that was like years ago. Um, but here's the thing: everybody they went to the, they went on a deep playoff run two playoffs ago. Everybody expected them to be a Western Conference contender or at least a playoff team this past. Uh, you know, the state, because they're just a model of consistency. Like, everybody just banks on them being a playoff team. And then they cratered. 
And Bad too. <laughs> yeah, it kind of came out of nowhere. And one of the driving forces behind that were two things. One, my prediction, and two, Eric, Eric, Eric Carlson, when they signed him that, to that deal, go back and listen to the podcast, everybody. Both of us said they're, that's not the right way to allocate funds to build a team. Like, yes, they're both. Him and Brent Burns are both good quality defensemen, but Carlson is always hurt. He is not a two-way defenseman, and he plays the same side as Brent Burns. Like, how can you justify paying a second-pairing defenseman all that money, either Carlson or Burns? So that was one. Guess what's happened to Carlson since he re-signed with San Jose? Who could have saw that coming? Hmm. But the second issue is Martin Jones and goal. I can understand after that deep playoff run, like, listen, he's still young, youngish. You know, even if he's just average or slightly above average in goal, like, we'll be okay, even though he's going to be a little bit overpaid. He's proven that he is not a quality NHL goaltender. And this offseason, with all the pretty solid to good goaltenders that were available, and I know they had the cap situation, but... You look at teams around the league. Look at Nashville. They needed to make room. They did. Like I think they had a quality offseason in in uh, Music City. San Jose could have made room if they wanted to somehow. So what did they do? They let Aaron Dell go, which is whatever. And out of all the goalies that could have brought in, they brought in Devin Dubnik, who over the last three years has been the only goaltender in a National Hockey League to be worse than Martin Jones. <laughs> <laughs> and, they, and that's their solve and goal. Like, okay, guys, you brought in Devin Dubnik. Like, it's 2014. So, I'm with you. Like, they're banking on... Listen, I like Ryan Donato. I don't know if he's going to have a long career. I think he can have a... I think he can have, like, a nice two- to four-year peak in the league of, like, a 15- to 20-goal score before, like, kind of just goes past it. But they're banking on him being better than what he's shown. They're banking on LeBanc coming back. They have no depth behind uh, Timo Meyer on the right side to speak of. And again, you're still back there with Carlson, getting paid all that money. He's still going to be injury-prone. They have nothing behind them and the shit, shitty goaltending situation. I think they're going to be one of the worst teams again, which is sad because they have a good forward group. When you just look at it on paper, you got Kaner, Logan Couture, who I really like, Tomas Hurdle. Like, this should be a team that's competing for a wild-card spot. And because of the cap situation they put themselves in with the Carlson thing, the lack of just balls to take care of the goaltending situation, like they're they're wasting these guys' prime. So San Jose, I guess, kind of is a good segue uh, into one of my teams that I think had a terrible offseason as well, if we're ready to go there. Let's do it, baby. Pittsburgh. Agreed. Now I, now I know... Crosby is much, 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 much better than Logan Couture. And Evgeny Malkin is much, much better than Tomas Hurdle. And they have Chris Letang on the back end. But Pittsburgh gets out of the Jack Johnson's contract. And then they trade for Mike Matheson. They bring in Cody Cece. This guy is like a fucking roach. His career just won't die no matter how bad he is. And I know Tristan Jari had a nice year in, like, how many games did he play? Let me see here. Let's see. I got him right here. 
He played 33 games. I know it was a shortened year because of everything that went down. And he had a good year. He was a high draft pick a few years ago. I think almost six or seven years ago at this point. But you're banking on him to just be a full-time goaltender. You don't, you don't have any depth behind him. There was rumors about possibly bringing in Flurry again. But, you know, Crosby and Malkin have both been a little injury-prone. I think they're one injury away from being not as bad, but being the San Jose Sharks in the Eastern Conference this oh, year. Oh, that's year. a fucking hot take. Like, if they lose Crosby or Malkin... For any length of time, they're not a playoff team. Like, look at the Metro division. Or I'll look what the divisions think, could be. Yeah. yeah, or what the divisions could be. Like, we've talked about that. Like, I think Washington is still better. I think Carolina is better. I think Philly's on par. I think the Rangers are on par or just below where Pittsburgh is. You still have the Islanders. Who knows where they're going to be? Columbus, like, everybody keeps writing them off. They're going to be a tough out. And that's just in the current Metro division. Then you still have Montreal, who's on the upswing, Boston, Toronto. Like, you look at this and you're like, they're an injury away from missing the playoffs and it not being close in my mind. Yeah. And you, that's my hot take for today with the Sharks and Penguins comparison. I was saying, you didn't even bring up the Flyers either. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, so it's, it's just tough. And I think, you know, you look at Rutherford, who moves from bad deal to bad deal. And he, to get out of those bad deals, he's spending more money or trading away prospects or picks to get out of that bad deal and then bringing in another bad deal. And I know he's chasing the Cups because he want, they're trying to keep that window open with Crosby and Malkin and Latang. But, dude, I just... I can't see... Like, what's the plan? Because Crosby's... You no, know, kind of on a... He's heading towards the tail end of his prime. Like... He's still very good, but what's the plan in two years? Well, well, that's the question because I mean, Malkin's up in two years. Yeah, complete UFA. He'll he'll be thirty six, but he'll be a complete UFA. Does he stay? Does he go? Maybe then he'll finally go to LA, like they've been rumoring for fifteen years. Yeah, and then it's like they have Sid under contract for another five years. Yeah, he'll be thirty eight, thirty nine coming out of that deal. So, as for transitioning, I mean, I, I do think Jake Gensel's a good player. Is he at the caliber yeah. of those two? No. Uh, Jason Zucker, a good pickup for them, yes. Brandon Tanev, uh, listen, yeah. I did not expect Brandon Tanev to have the year he had. I'm not going to sit here and say, like, I thought he was a great acquisition. I didn't. For what he does, I think he's a great player in the sense of finishing checks and blocking shots. But for three and a half a year... No. And Kapanen, I know he's has pedigree. He's proven that he can score some goals in a complimentary role, but they're banking on him playing with Crosby on the right side. And I, one, I don't think he's up for that challenge. And two, I don't think his game is built for that type of role. Like, he's not that, I guess, he doesn't play the game at a Crosby level of speed. And I think Crosby needs a guy who can just think at his level or almost as close to it as possible. And Kapanen hasn't proven to be a very hockey-smart, quote-unquote, type of guy. I think he just relies on his natural talents too much. And 
gets himself into trouble with the pe- with penalties. You Other know what that, like, Sid needs is Sid needs a dumb guy to play with in the sense of <laughs> just go here. <laughs> yeah, just like simplicity. Like I'm gonna swing this puck around the net. You go far side post. I'm gonna find you with the pass, bank it in, and fucking boom, Sid'll do it. So he just needs someone who's gonna listen and go to where he's told. And I okay, think on that end, it, yeah, like I, I think it'll be a perfect marriage. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I just don't know what the plan is. And it's like you get out of the Johnson deal, which you had, they bought him out, and then you bring in Matheson and Cece. It's like you just got out of it. Like you think you would be like, all right, thank God we got rid of that mistake. Let's. You know, be smart about this. Yeah, let's steer clear. I just don't know what they're doing. So that's one. And all the team, we have a couple teams. We already talked about San Jose and Chicago. The other team that I thought they didn't do poorly, like, it's Edmonton. They brought in Tyson Berry on a cheap one-year deal. I think that's a good pickup for the, like, their power play is already good. Now it's going to be even better. I think that's a good deal for both Edmonton, who gets a top four, like, he needs to be used correctly and sheltered, but I think he's a quality addition to their blue line. And also for a guy like Barry, he's going to be free agent next year, and he's going to—he has the potential to put some points on the back end in Edmonton on a power play and rebuild his value for a longer-term deal next year. But they're another team like San Jose. You've had the chance to improve in goal, and they brought back Mike Smith. Like you could have brought in—you could have brought back Cam Talbot. You could have brought in Braden Holpe. You could have signed Corey Crawford, any of these guys. And you just stick with the status quo. And it, I know Ken Holland, he's kind of ha- handcuffed by the massive cap hits for Drysaddle and McDavid. But not solving the problem. If they had a quality goaltender, and we're looking at a potential all-Canada division, I think they're above Toronto if they had a quality goaltender. Now it's like, okay, they're there, they're battling with, like, Vancouver for, like, third behind Toronto and Calgary, I think. So that's, I think, a wasted opportunity. A couple of teams I think did really well. I'll run through these really quick. Uh, Nashville, they cleared a lot of space. I know it was painful in some circumstances, but I think they stuck themselves up well to keep their core together and also adding uh, Kuna was good. Montreal... I love the forward upgrades. We'll see how much more prime years they get out of Carey Price, but the Josh Anderson trade and then the title to Foley signing, I think, is great to for them. Foley's huge. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, Vancouver letting all these guys go. I know Markstrom's overpaid, and I like the Holpe signing, but you lost a lot of depth, and you you trade away assets for Toffoli and then let him walk out the door. I don't know what that's about. Um, I like what Washington did only because they kept the core together and you have a young goaltender who you're unsure about what he is. He could be a great number one. He could be British Golov, like 1A type guy. And then you bring in a guy like Hank who's still up for it. Calgary, they improved their depth. And even though we hated the contract, massive improvement in goal. We have Markstrom. And I think Minnesota is being underrated here because I know they're going through like a quasi-rebuild on the fly. But they, were, they weren't bad last year or the year before that. They just were done in by a Dubnik and goal and Alex Stalock, who's like a career backup. And you know we love him. I do love but him. <laughs> now they bring in Talbot on a cheap deal. Who He's not going to be a Vezina candidate, but he's not going to embarrass you out there over the course of a season. I think that, that alone, that improvement in goal, adds a few points to the ledger 
uh, over the course of a season. And I think that helps them stay out of the basement in their division uh, with Chicago and leapfrogs them over a team like Winnipeg. Uh, Winnipeg's another one of those teams, too, like that when you say about actually doing things and not doing things, they, they didn't do anything. I like the Stastny move, but again, it's on a one year and he's older now, so who knows what you get out of that. Yeah, but, I mean, the other part for them is we didn't really know what to expect out of them last year, mm. and they seemed okay. Like It was kind of like the little train that could. So it's like, who knows what to expect out of a Paul Maurice coach team. As long as you get another Norris Trophy count, uh, caliber year out of Neil Pionk, you're, you're golden, baby. Your life is good, exactly. <laughs> um, speaking of other things that we liked and disliked, I know we're like almost two weeks late on this, but every, I know everybody was dying for our opinion. The reverse of retro jerseys. Me and you were giddy waiting for these announcements. And I got to say, for the most part, I'm really disappointed. Um, I'll start with the Rangers one first. They brought back to Liberty, which is fine. I don't know what's reverse retro about the uniform. It's the same color. It's the same logo. All I did was they changed the sleeves from being red from like the bite of forearm down to just having a, a red and white stripe. Other than that, it's like the same uniform. It's not a bad jersey. It's just, oh, okay. Um, I'll just run through the ones that I liked. The Avalanche is my favorite. Oh, by far. The Florida Panthers one, going back to the basically like the leaping cap, but having a gold accents and a darker blue with that old color scheme, I thought it was nice. Love the Minnesota Wild uh, tribute to the North Stars. I actually really like the Blue Jackets. I know that's like hit or miss for some people, but it just it reminds me of the old school Caps jerseys when they had the white yoke up top. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like the Kings, even though it's Laker colors. I think the purple and gold, like, obviously goes back to their early days when they were in the league. But with their 90s logo, I think it looks really sharp. And it's probably going to look pretty good out on the ice, you know, during gameplay. The ones I hated, the Islanders. What the fuck is different? Nothing. <laughs> same jersey. Detroit. All you did was remove red stripes and put gray. It looks like a practice jersey. <laughs> I thought it was a practice jersey at yeah. first. Vancouver. Nobody asked for the color gradient. It sucked the first time. It sucks this time. Winnipeg. Great. Like, what the... Cool. Blue and, blue and steel. Great. Love it. Hate it. Vegas looks like absolute dog shit, but to be fair, they don't have a reverse retro to go back to. Uh, Dallas. They could have done so much with that the late 90s star jersey, and it just, there you can't even tell what's on a uniform. Everything is white and silver. You can't even see the logo. Um, and then the last one I hated was the Senators because the color scheme is fine, but it looks almost exactly like their Currents, new uniform that yeah. they're going to start wearing. So I don't know what the point was with that. I wish he went back, went back to the Ottawa 67s and all those crazy stripes and figured something else out, but... Uh, which ones did you like? What, and what are your thoughts on the Bruins one? So the Bruins one, when they first came out with it, I didn't like it. I, I've seen a couple of them. And in person, they do look a little bit better than what the original release looked like. So okay. I, I'm okay with them now. Um, 
I had a whole bunch of people wanting the Pooh Bear back. I was not a Pooh Bear no. guy. Um, I, I'm trying to think who I like. So How for, did the Islanders not go back to the Gordon's Fisherman? I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I thought Gordon's would have been in the bank. I like how you guys went back to Lady Liberty. And just to like clarify, are those the same exact jerseys as the Lady Liberty? Because they look exactly the same like from the old school. Like nothing had changed. Yeah, it's basically the same uniform, except they changed the collar stripe and the wrist. Okay. Because I was looking at it, I'm like... The same logo and everything. I was like, I I think it's the same exact one. Yeah. Um, I love Florida going back to that old school Panther. I really like that. Agreed. Love the gold. Love it. Um, I'm trying to think who else. I like jerseys just because I've always liked that old school, the green and red. I, I always liked that for them. I'm trying to think of any like you said, Colorado. Those were the best ones by far. Dallas sucked. <laughs> uh, what did you think about St. Louis as the red? I think if you're looking for kind of a, I'm more than a casual hockey fan jersey to get of a team that's still in existence. I think that's a jersey you might want to pick up, but. I, after the jerseys were released, I texted. I was like, I kind of like St. Louis's, and then I went on YouTube and I watched old clips of, uh, like the Wayne Gretzky years. I'm like, oh god, they look terrible on the ice. <laughs> so I think it just depends on what they, what kind of pants and socks they match it with. And I think Dallas is the only team that actually released a full photo of what their uniform looks like with everything. So I'm kind of looking forward to seeing some of these other teams. Like maybe I'll look better when they're fully in gear. Fully in gear. One other one, you brought up Vancouver, and the one thing for me with Vancouver is how do you not go back to the the Pavel Berry ones? Like, mm. going with the, the old school, the, the VC Canucks, like, come on. Like, the Berry one is what I think of when you say the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah. I mean, they wore that last year. They brought it back for a few games, right? Yeah, I think it was like the 25th anniversary or something. And I, I get it, but to, to go to these and have a big release on quote-unquote retro jerseys, and that's what you come out with, like, you got to be was, a little bit better. I was expecting Vancouver to do those stupid V jerseys. Oh, I was happy they didn't do those. Those were awful. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it was cool. Angel got a little bump, especially with the sports scene kind of at a lull. But I think they missed an opportunity to really just crush it with some of these uniforms. And the Oilers one is another one that looks like if you line that up, oh, that's their away away uniform. Like, I would think that's just, like, part of their normal rotation. It's nothing crazy. I don't know if you liked them or not, now that you said the Oilers, but they used to have an alternate third jersey. Uh, the oil dropped. We the oil dropped, dude. I loved that one. <laughs> what do you think of Calgary's with the uh, the fire horse again? See, I, I'm a see a red guy, and I wasn't a fire horse kind of guy, so it was kind of like, I think they did a good job with the jersey, but I like the old school, like, Lanny McDonald Calgary yeah. C. And one last thing on Dallas. Thank God they didn't go back to the uterus. <laughs> I almost just if anybody went. doesn't know what I'm talking about, just Google <laughs> Dallas Stars uterus jersey, and you'll see what I'm talking about. I almost just spit beer all over my computer. <laughs> think I was able to contain it. Um, 
Do you think the Winnipeg Jets should have done like an Atlanta Thrashers throwback? Yes, man. Yes, it's the same franchise. They own those trademarks. They should have totally done like a baby blue with the bird or put the bird inside. Uh, you know, Anaheim went really crazy. He went back to that duck with the hockey stick exploding out of the ice. That was awful. That's not yeah. good at all. And if you wanted to be really stupid, if you're Winnipeg, anything would have be better than a Jersey Day release. You could have put the Thrasher in the cockpit of the jet. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do. Their primary logo. <laughs> I, I do love Carolina bringing back the Whalers, though. I, I love that. Yeah. That, that one I feel a little more weird about just because it's like, uh, you know, you, you t- Hartford actually cared about their team, unlike Atlanta. Like, I don't think anybody in Atlanta would give a shit about seeing Winnipeg wearing a Thrasher's uniform on the ice. Oh, I don't even but, think they knew they had hockey. Yeah, but I feel like any time the Hurricanes incorporate anything with the whale, people in Hartford just get, like, the knife twisted in them a little bit more. Yeah, they're, they're trying to do the 95 shuffle. They're like, we could go down there for a long weekend and catch a couple of games. We're a real city. Yeah, exactly, yeah. We, we're, we're not stuck between New York and Boston. Yeah, what do you mean? Uh, <laughs> um, but unless you have anything else, I have a couple things for NHL history, and then we can head into shout-outs and close this bad, bad boy up. All right, I, I will say this. Uh, I will give it to Hartford. In the AHL, by far the best pregame mail, by far. Yeah, that was good. I and, used to and, love. And I miss those Wolfpack jerseys, dude. Uh, I used to love going down there and uh, like they were so executive with their fucking pregame mail. They would make you sign in and sign out. Like they had a check-in guy. <laughs> they like check you up on the thing with the ruler coming down. Like, oh yeah, video corner. We were sharks. Like they, they all right. Like they cross you off to make sure you weren't going back up there again. But like, oh yeah, the food was really good down there. Just make sure you get your stipend money. Ah, don't even go there. <laughs> um, all right, so today in NHL history, we got a big one. December 1st, 1924, the NHL makes its debut in the United States when the Boston Bruins play their first game, a 2-1 to victory against the Montreal Maroons at Boston Arena. So it's been almost 100 years of the Bruins kicking the shit out of a team from Montreal. And the yellow one I have for today is, of course... The great one, Wayne Gretzky. In 1996, he becomes the first and only, still to this day, NHL player to reach a 3,000-point point plateau, including the Stanley Cup playoffs. He finished his career with, obviously, 2,857 regular season points and 382 points in his playoff career. The great one. I still laugh about that stat when they have a... Uh the brothers with the most points and it's Wayne and his brother. And it's like the brother had one assist and Wayne has all the other points. That one still makes me laugh when they post that. And also when they say, uh, if you took away all of Wayne Gretzky's goals in his career, he would still be the all time points leader. Oh, I do. I, I see that one too. And it's just like, you talk, I mean, you don't get the nickname, the great one for no reason. Yeah. But like, that is above and beyond. Like <laughs> I always laugh e- at that. everything. Like it's just it's insanity. Like to not even have anyone that close to you is crazy. Yeah. Um. Well, who do you have for shout outs this week? Um. I, I will shout out. I know how uh, Alan Walsh got 
torched mm. via the that bubble and the flurry photo and all that. But I also like how open he is. And currently, right now on Twitter, he is very open and uh, comes to fruition with everyone out there. The NHL is soft-floating the idea with media. If no deal with the NHLPA is reached on the return to play, it can unilaterally invoke force majeure and cancel the 2021 season. In reality, if the NHL cancels the 2021 season because the players won't give another $300 million in concessions, that is a lockout, which is expressed prohibitively by the CBA. If the NHL lawyers are advising owners they have a winning case here, I suggest they go back to law school. Owners will be subjecting themselves to billions in potential damages if they falsely invoke force majeure to cancel the season. End quote. I mean, Walshie was a great follow when I was, you know, grumpy and losing my mind on Twitter every day. But ever since I got off of Twitter, obviously, I haven't been able to keep along. But it's nice to see he's still the only dude in hockey that doesn't say, you know, it's a team effort out there. Uh, you know, just happy to be here. Speaks his mind. Yeah, he's he's one of those guys. And in fairness, if, if you're a player... I know the flurry thing when all that came out, that was un, unsuspecting and everything else kind of blew you away. But wouldn't you want an agent who backs you like that? Like, yeah. you, you, like you, he's your fucking guy and it should be vice versa. Like that's your dude right there. So I don't know, but a uh, shout out to Alan Walsh for at least being public with the people, because as for information, it seems to be very tight-lipped, and you hear all these rumors, but no one really has anything. So good for him to kind of spit something out. Uh, I, I know we're kind of going back to the beginning of the show, though, now, but shout-out to Big Red for making uh, me not be a Scrooge and go see all these Christmas lights. And, um, yeah, shout-out to the kids. They've been very good this week, which means <laughs> I, I know a big freak-out's coming soon, you know, calm before the storm. I'm look, looking forward to this year's family uh Christmas card too. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, Those are being made up as we speak. Shout outs for me this week. Nothing super personal. I just want to. I sent this to you earlier. Shout out to Yamir Yager for back in the day when he was on the Bruins. He was asked who his favorite NHL player was, and he said Yamir Yager. <laughs> Got a real kick out of that. I sent that to you earlier today. Um, also, shout out to. Uh, I know this isn't hockey related or anything, but we touched on this, like you said earlier on, with everything everything going on with COVID and the news coming out with the vaccines. I just wanted to give a shout out. If you, anybody who's listening happened to be somebody who participated in a trial, just want to give a shout out to you for you know putting yourself, putting your body on a the line there to see if we can get this shit out of under control and out of our society. And also shout out to those zombie minks that we were talking about off the air. If you don't know what I'm talking about, Google zombie minks in Denmark and your mind will be blown. Yeah, when you were telling me about that, I was I was blown away. I was like, uh, you know what? I heard that part of Europe was nice to visit. Not no more. <laughs> Not going there. Not yep. even going to countries that touch it just in case they <laughs> fucking migrated. That's all. I am legend shit. Yeah. Uh, above and beyond Call of Duty. Uh Everybody, as always, thank you for listening. We will keep you up to date as to 
if there's going to be hockey, if there's not going to be hockey, if there's you anything else. Yeah, I was mean the turnaround. Yeah, the turnaround date is is rather quickly. We'll let you know if uh, Alan Walsh gets fired by anybody on Twitter, <laughs> and we will keep all you guys posted. So, as for now, thank you so much, and we will catch you guys soon. Bye bye. See the light.